Welcome back to the internet's most popular radio show. That's right, folks. You're listening to this Uncanny Earth. Welcome back after a two-week hiatus. That's right. As all of you know, it's your host, Rob, with my co-host. You know him as Spider. Say hello to the fine people out there, Spider. Hey, do we got fine people? Is that the kind of people that we that we broadcast to, fine people? I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I don't know. If we got some rough people out there, that's okay, too. Rough people exist in the world. All the peoples. <laughs> all the people, all the time. All the people, all the time. So we were gone for last week's show because we decided to eat turkey and mashed potatoes. and, and I mean, not, not all of us. Some of us. Yeah, we had, uh, we had the typical vegan spread here. And it sounds like for some of you people who aren't into that kind of food that you're going to be like, Oh, what? Oh, bleh. And I'm like, hey, I had some good tasty food, you know. You got to, it's how that. you make it and what you make. I did that when he was like, yeah, we're having a vegan. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I had a, uh, my, my, uh, my pops took the turkey. I ate it, had some mashed potatoes, gravy, stuffing, blueberry pie. You know, if we'd have had it ourselves for the show, like if we'd have had a Thanksgiving episode and we'd have had a spread, we would have grilled everything. Everything. We would have grilled, grilled the pie, the turkey, grilled the mashed grilled potatoes, the grilled the gravy. That's right. You just wrap it in aluminum yeah. foil so it doesn't spill out the side and you ah, stick it on the grill. I didn't do that. My grill has one of those uh, uh, for saucepans where you can heat it up. It's got a burner on it. Oh, that's not the same. On. That's that's still like saucepan. That's not like no, grilling the gravy. No, we got to grill we're it. We're still using the grill. <laughs> we're still using the grill. We're still grill using. All right. You can okay. grill the, the rolls. Yeah, see? Oh, yeah. You gotta grill everything, the entire shred. <laughs> even, the, even the green bean casserole. Even grilled. the green bean casserole. Grill the it mac up. and cheese. <laughs> put it on little shish kebabs and just like dip, put the cheese on it as we're turning the shish kebabs. That's right. People are wondering anyway. what they're tuning in for. They're like, I thought this was paranormal. You guys are talking about grilling. Is this a grilling show? I would much <laughs> rather listen to grilling. Is this a cooking show? If it's a cooking show, you guys, I'm done. You guys are in trouble because we'll just be half, you know, we'll be drinking before we start the cooking, and then that's how we grill things. (laughs) Just add more alcohol. What to the food? No, not us. That's right. It does not. It just means we have more fun. Absolutely. So what? It's episode. It's in Ohio where I like to grill when it's negative five. That's right. And then the rain. While it's uh, turning into freezing rain into half snow. Oh, yes. Many a time. With charcoal. No gas. Charcoal. That's right. With charcoal. I got gas now. I'm surprised your grill didn't split. Yeah. It was was cold enough and hot enough at the same time. Anyways. We are... (laughs) Are they going to talk about anything with grilling on this episode? It's episode 13. I mean... April Fool's. Yeah. I mean, is that lucky or is that unlucky? What are we doing? I don't know. I'm just here so I don't get fined. That's right. I mean, I I'm contractually obligated at this point. But um yes. <laughs> Episode 13. Um 13. and it's backwards what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to go one direction, but uh but Rod, Rob here told me it was going to go the other direction and I'm just kind of like, well, St. Germain called. <laughs> and I came down like St. Germain the station manager and said, "Listen, <laughs> We're doing it backwards today. And Spider was like, what? I don't like it. 
and he grumbled and grumbled, and we had a grumble match. But no, nah, it turned out. That's right. So here we are. So wh- what are we talking about? Episode thirteen, and we are talking about. Okay, so last week I said Boggy Creek, so we're gonna get that at the later half of the show. That's right. Uh, but I got a question for you, fine folks out there. Would you like to join my cult? Cult? Dun, dun, dun. Yes, folks. Today we're going to be talking about everybody's favorite groups, cults. I'm sure most of us, in fact, probably everybody listening is in or has been in the cult, right? Probably. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. How many people, show of hands, because obviously I can see all of you. Um, that's, that's part of the cult. That's part of our cult. You can see people through the radio. That's right. That is right. This uncanny cult is what we're going to name it. People are going to start thinking it's got to do with superheroes. <laughs> it's the uncanny culty man. Hey. <laughs> Able to get a bunch of followers to do what he wants in a single breath. <laughs> no, so this week we're talking about cults. And there's a bunch of different kinds of cults. We can talk about destructive cults, we can talk about doomsday cults, political cults, polygamous cults, racist cults, terrorist cults, so many, so many on your cult sandwich. That's right. Now, what uh, what denotes a cult and separates it from being a cult versus a uh, just a religious movement? Well, you know, basically a cult, uh, I would have to say a cult is more of a, uh, more of a social group um, based on religious, spiritual, or philosophy philosophical beliefs um, and really it's more when I when I think of calling I think of something that has to be you give your life over to it you know when you go to church you, you go to church on a Sunday maybe a Wednesday Saturday here and there holiday but it's not something that you have to give your life to so to speak I mean most churches you know the type of Nonra, a monk or some form. Hmm. So there is that, but uh, mostly, mostly there's social groups of socially deviant practices. But even that sometimes can be unclear. I mean, basically, a cult is going to be something that that it's a religious social organization that has deviant ideas or things that are outside the norm that are not widespread or or accepted by society as a whole. And Because um, uh, back in Roman times, they had individual cults. They had cults for all of their, their gods and deities. And they weren't, you know, bad things. They were just individualized. We worship all the gods, sure, but these are the particular ones that we like best. And they even had them, they had them even in Greece. They had the Pythagorean cult. Mm-hmm. Um, so cults have been around since more than two people hung out. <laughs> right. These days, if somebody talks about a cult, it's because they're into some subversive kind of dark stuff that's really unhealthy for people as a whole, and people get brainwashed and that kind of thing. So those are the kind of cult activities that we're going to be talking about tonight. The, the stuff that people are just like, what is wrong with you? Why would you do this? What kind of, like, sick stuff is this? Right. Because cults don't necessarily denote evil mm-hmm. for the most part I mean there probably is some debauchery involved in a lot of cults but to say that every single cult that's ever existed is some evil like thing I would have to disagree but the connotation of the word in our society definitely means it's up to no good and well, that, and that's really based on the fact that most cults most times you say cult and put it with a group 
there's something that's bad that is either happening, happened, or going to happen. Right. So that's what you have to remember. So let's talk about some cults. Let's, let's jump right into it. Now, let's, actually, let's, let's, let's roll it back. How can a person join a cult? Generally, um, a cult is usually around a charismatic figure. Uh, they might not make themselves the focus of the cult necessarily, but they are the driving force. They are the people that that sets what the cult's about. They're, they convince people to get involved in joining, and they have some kind of reason to coerce people into getting involved. Um, even if you're a cult that worships something that's apart from that main person, then generally that person is going to be involved in um, in in keeping you part of the group and keeping you from wandering off, so to speak. So, generally it takes a person starting everything, maybe a couple of people at most, um, and then uh, gathering people who believe similar similar ideas or who are open to accepting similar ideas. And a lot of the time, too, with cults, it's, you have to, like I said before, you have to devote pretty much your entire existence. Um, you got to give a lot of your money to these cults. You have to give a lot of your time, and they usually involve separating from your family members. So if you were close to, like, say, your mother, this cult probably is driving you away from your mother. So a lot of times you'll have family that'll try to intervene in these cults, and then the cult itself will pick up and move, so that these people can't uh, get ties with their loved ones. So they don't try to leave it. And usually a cult, well, I would say 99% of the time, a cult is going to be wrapped around a charismatic figure. And you can't, it, I don't think you really have a cult without one. I think it would be boring if you just had some guy that was like, oh, okay, guys. So, anybody got any cult ideas today? <laughs> kind of bored. I didn't, I just, you know, if I had a cult, it would be a part-time one because, I, you know, I'm a busy guy. I have a, a child, so I don't really have time. I don't have time for cultish activities. Maybe, like, Thursday from, I don't know, 4 to 8. Maybe Friday from like eight to midnight, so I'd have to get my cult thinking with my followers then. And I know you're all thinking you're like, well, you know, a lot of stuff can happen. Yeah, but you're not kind of I'm kind of lazy when it comes to doing anything cult related. So I'd just be like, could you guys cult yourselves? You know, so you know, I, probably, I would probably definitely go down as one of the worst cult leaders, which would probably be good because nobody would die on my watch. And that's good. I mean, you might as well be one that's a little more healthy. Right. So then people will be like, hey, that guy, all right. All they do is grill. That's it. And listen to loud music. They're all right. <laughs> but let's look at some cults. Um, Spider, do you have a favorite cult? Did you pick a cult? Do you have a favorite? Um, well, out of the list that we've got kind of assembled here, the ones we picked out, I can't really say that any of these are my favorite because most of these people are – are, for lack of a better term, completely out of their minds. I mean, most of these people aren't around anymore, so they were out of their minds and are now physically mm-hmm. out of their minds as well. well I, w- I wouldn't but, say uh, favorite in terms of, like, you're going to run out would run out and join them. I mean, just seems like one of the most interesting cases of people totally following a figure. And, and let me let me, let me me point something out to you. People that, that follow these, these, uh, uh, these charismatic folks, usually these are down, down on your luck folks. Mm-hmm. Every now and again, you'll have people that might be high-standing figures that get kind of pulled into the whole concept of this cult. But nine times out of ten, you're going to have a lot of people that are down in love. Yes, you can catch a break. Society's outcast. And it's easy to pull in society's outcast when you say, hey, here's a place where you belong. And 
break bread with us. You know, everybody's the same. And we'll see that with, uh, with a, a one Jim Jones that uh, usually when it comes to cults and groups and people that are inside of the cult, they're there because they want to be, not so much because they were forced into it. They just saw it as a place where, hey, you know what, for 15, 20 years of my life, I was made fun of or I was treated bad, I was bullied, I was picked on. Society doesn't like my kind or, or people like me. This guy does. He loves me. He helps me eat, and, and I have a real family that I never had before. Mm. Heard into that, and then next, you know, you're taking a flight to another country and drinking poison Kool Aid. That's right, which is where the phrase drinking the Kool-Aid came from. One of these very specific ones on the list, which is not the first one we're going to pick. I'm going to actually lean towards there are two on this list because it's a list of about ten, but we're not going to cover all of them. But there are two that I remember distinctly because they happened when I was going to school as a kid. And um, actually probably three of them. But the one really didn't get a lot of trending where I was at it here in the U.S. Um, so um, the top one that was going on that I remember the most is the Heaven's Gate uh, cult. Ah, yes. And this is the one that, um, and and this is, the article I have here mentions only Haley's comment, but I believe they had something going on with the comment Hale-Bop as well, yep. um, which came a little bit later, and it amounted to about the same thing. Um they, uh, the leader of the cult was a man named Marshall Applewhite, who, um, you know, when I look at this dude, in all of the videos that they ever had for him, all of his interviews, he looks completely insane. <laughs> He's got these huge, bugged-out eyes, like he just looks like he is yeah. completely out of his head and just nuts. And I don't see how people wouldn't see that, just like talking to him for five minutes. But at the time, you know, people were like, okay, whatever. So Marshall Applewhite, he, um, they believed that enlightenment and salvation could only be achieved by fleeing Earth before something called the Great Recycling. Okay, and uh, since leaving Earth is a little problematic, of course, they preached that suicide was the answer to leaving your body and reaching enlightenment. They prepared videos on how to leave your earthly flesh behind and gave them to the various members. In 1997. When Haley's Comet arrived in our solar neighborhood, um, Applewhite convinced his followers a spaceship was trailing the comet, and those who followed him into death would be saved and brought up into the spaceship. Him and about 38 people committed suicide in San Diego when they believed that the comet was uh, was going to take them away. And, um, and that happened again, although a smaller number. I don't think it was quite as many people. And it might have been the same cult. Heaven's Gate as a group is not entirely gone you just never hear about it anymore um it's uh they did the same thing with hail bop but i don't remember what year that was that was more recent um i think the numbers of people who who tried that were were much lower maybe in the tens rather than in the 30s but um crazy stuff i mean because i mean telescopes all this kind of stuff you can look up there you can see in the tail of the comet if there's going to be something in there and it's not like that Riddick movie where all this fleet of ships is hiding in the the comets or anything like that. Good movie, by the way. Not related, but good movie. Um, so, I mean, we can see if there's going to be something hiding there. And uh, and obviously we didn't see anything, but Mr. Applewhite firmly believed that there was something there. I think one of the most interesting aspects of that whole cult, that, that cult, not the, not the, uh, the, the, not the idea of a cult, but 
that's cult specific was I believe they had fresh all white Nikes. Mm-hmm. They had to yep. wear. Yep, they had specific I, clothing that they had to wear. Yes, and they had to wear fresh white Nikes. And I remember people that I remember when when they found the bodies, they're like, they yeah, you know, these people wearing fresh white Nikes. And I'm thinking to myself, do you not get to get on the ship if you don't have them fresh whites? And the aliens are like, nah, we only we only accept the fresh of kicks and our hail Boppian <laughs> spacecraft that we have running behind this comet. It, yeah, and, and there was a, a whole like planet they believed in, and species of aliens, and, and I think that's another thing that really sets cults apart from just religious movements. They always have to wear or do something very odd, you know. With, with, uh, um, when we're just talking about, sorry, folks, it's been a long day. You know, you had your white tennis shoes. You had a couple of things you had to do. And and I got to agree with you with Marshall Applewhite. That too. If there is a prime person that looks like they are a cult leader, he is the poster child for cult leaders. I mean, he just looks crazy. I mean, I hate yeah. to say use that kind of word because there's a lot of negatives. Like, people call each other crazy for stuff when they're right. not. They're just, you know, they've got some mental stuff. And they're not crazy people. But he was, he fits the definition. He was a crazy-looking yes. Guy. Yes. 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 Now another uh, man that was uh, off his rocker was a man by the name of Shoko Asahara. He was part of the Um Shinriko, and that was in 1984 in Japan. Which was now Shoko Asahara was a blind man, and in Japan, a lot of people probably don't know this, but in Japan, blind folks are usually uh, masseuses. They do uh, some massages, a couple other things, but they have their own professions, kind of like a caste system, the blind do these jobs. Well, uh, Asahara, that's what he did. He was he was basically a a masseuse, so to speak. There's a name for him, and I'm, I'm really drawing a blank on that right now. But the biggest thing that did, and uh, this this is this is very important, they did uh, gas attacks. Sarin gas. Yes, Sarin gas. On March the 20th, 1995. And I vaguely remember seeing the news on this. It wasn't as big here mm-hmm. as some of like, as like the Branch Davidians or the uh, the Hale Bop group with Marshall Applewhite. Heaven's, it was Heaven's Gate, right? Heaven's Gate? Yeah. That's Marshall Applewhite. Sorry. Yep. Sorry, folks. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm lacking some sleep here. But. The uh, the um Shinriko didn't get a lot of didn't get a lot of um, airplay here in the states. I saw different news news bits and pieces, and it wasn't until many many years later, when I was taking uh, the Japanese language class for the language that I that my teacher was telling me about this. And I said, "Oh, you know, what were you doing? What were you doing?" And none of the, none of the Japanese teachers I had were actually there when the attacks happened in Tokyo, but they remember uh, that uh, that sticking around. And actually, the group still exists. Believe it or not, and mm-hmm. I think that was a dog parking. Yep. Yeah. Maybe. She tends to do that whenever I'm actually doing something that requires quiet. <laughs> <laughs> but the 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 cult actually still exists. Um, Shoko Asahara and his uh, followers were actually executed by Japan mm-hmm. in in actually July sixth, 
2018. Yeah, it was very, very recent. I was going to mention, but I couldn't remember the exact date. It's, It was something that kept being kind of put off, put off, put off, put off. I think he kept appealing and doing different things, and he kept yeah. claiming that they couldn't kill him because he was divine and all this other thing. And they finally were like, no, we're, we're, we're doing it now. And so they did. And, yep. and then on the 26th, uh, the remaining six followers who were involved in the attack were also executed uh, by Japan. So, you know, it took... Man, it took a very, very, like, almost, almost you know, 20, 23 years, I believe, would be right on that. 23 mm-hmm. years to execute a guy who, who committed the, the searing uh, gas attacks. Now, the, uh, the, the um actually split into a left. Uh, Hikari Noah in 2007. Um, they've been de- designated a terrorist organization formally. Now, this is back when they actually committed the attacks, which would make sense because they would be considered both a doomsday cult and also a, I would say even more, a political cult too. And and by the way, the, they were hanged. His followers were actually hung. Now before that, they, they pretty much all of them did these same kind of uh, jobs. They had a lot of blind folks in them. But uh, and the way the way that they receive their spiritual enlightening, and and I think I see a lot of occults do this. It's usually through hallucinogens like LSD. And so these folks they really got into the, the drugs and started taking LSD and things of that nature. So and they actually did an attack before that. Uh, it, uh, it was it was a it was a cult member, and they actually thought that uh, they. they they synthesized 100 to 200 grams of VX, and they used it to attack a couple people that they thought were traitors in the cult. And that was kind of the basic uh, building blocks of what was to be this huge gas attack. And uh, it killed 13 people, injured 54 others, and affected some 900 plus people. Um, it even says that uh, many claim that as many as 6,000 people were injured. And the way they did this, and this was what I thought was really interesting. I mean, I, I'm definitely not uh, advocating this. I think it was a horrible thing to happen, but the way it happened, so they, they had uh, umbrellas, milk tips, like the penguin. Every time I think of that, I think of the penguin. And the, they were to go on the the, 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 sarin, the sarin bags were already put on the train from some um before them. So the next um come on the, on the train. And they would jab these, get these, these bags with this umbrella, and then that's how the, the the gas would come out, and that's how these thirteen commuters died. It was a really big thing in in for Japan because you know you don't hear about a lot of cults in Japan um, as much as you do in the United States. Mm-hmm. So with that, I will let Spider lead into his next. The next one that I remember um, going to school, which is another big one, and there's a lot of controversy with this one because this whole situation, if you look all the way around, a lot of people say that this could have gone a totally different way, and maybe it could have. But uh, the Branch Davidians with David Koresh. Um, this was in 1994 when, when everything went down, but the story behind that, David Koresh had convinced his followers that anybody that wasn't in league with him, and in particular, because he believed himself to be a patriot, if they weren't aligned with the United States, they were enemies of God. And uh, he claimed he was the voice of a god and even the Messiah, and he used his power to regularly engage in sexual activity with his female followers, 
which is another kind of thing that that um, that happens in cults. You usually have a leader who believes that they they can get away with whatever they want and they, that they're godlike or or divine somehow, and they tend to 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 sleep around with just about anybody that they want to or can convince to within the cult. Um, it's kind of a surefire sign that they don't believe that there's any sort of attachment or anything like that. Um, he moved his followers into a massive compound outside of Waco, Texas. And when I say, like, this is this is a real, this was a big set of buildings, a massive complex of buildings. It was It was like a series of apartment buildings almost, all stuck together the way it looked. It was like a fortress. And uh, the authorities investigated the compound after accusations of sexual abuse and child molestation. And they had a standoff in 1994. And uh, the ATF fired tear gas into the compound. Fires erupted and, um, and 76 people died in the chaos. They, they busted in with a tank, all kinds of things. And there's a lot of controversy. Like, uh, nobody's sure exactly why the ATF fired the, the tear gas when they fired it. Uh, apparently there was talks with David Koresh going on at the time. It, it, there was a lot of talking going on behind the scenes. Some people blame the FBI. Some people blame the ATF. Some people blame Janet Reno. Janet Reno was a big figurehead behind all of that at the time. And um, so it's really unsure whether this could have had a peaceful resolution or not. A lot of people believe it could have and that the actions of the government is what... Um, what caused the the eruptions of the fire and everything like that, and just uh, more people could have gotten out alive if it hadn't turned aggressive. But it's hard to say. I mean, maybe somebody from the government was shot at, maybe they were attacked, we weren't there, and a lot of that is really hush-hush. The The news cameras were, were kept at a distance. There was nobody right up there at the building when it happened. They were at a distance. So all we have is distance video of, of what actually went down. But... Uh, there was a big thing. And kids being cruel kids that they are, they came up with a term for Mr. David Crash, And uh, they used to call him the Waco Wacko, which is, you know, people get kind of crazy. People sometimes don't. And David Crash may have been certifiably insane. But again, there could have been a chance that the violence could have been avoided. We're just not sure. And that's the thing you have with cults. It, it's tempting just to think that they're so dangerous that you have to move in and then just deal with them quickly. But on the other hand, you, you really don't know what motivates people until you, you talk to them and find out. But I think part of this was because we were, uh, we were going off previous, previous experience with the People's Temple in Jonestown. Yes. Um, and and I, I, before we jump into Mr. Jim Jones... I would like to bring up something that I now see. I now Sp- I'm a little older than Spider. I think Spider is is mid 30s, and I'm almost jumping into 40s. I remember when the Branch Davidian compound was breached. I, I remember like it was yesterday. I remember that being a thing for so long, and then I remember seeing on the news that it was like a breaking headline: the Branch Davidian compound was raided. They supposedly found a bunch of automatic weapons, child brides whole bunch of just a slew of, of, of uh, things going on at Mr. Koresh's compound and there you know there hasn't really been a lot mentioned since about mm. the French Davidians and one thinks that you know it could be a cover up maybe uh, maybe David Koresh was innocent as many people think maybe that's definitely a possibility we weren't there nope but 
the 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 thing is, I, th- I think anytime you deal with with somebody like this, that's uh, that, that, that has the has the mindset of a Jim Jones or a David Koresh, it's hard not to do something about it. It's, it you can't just sit and, and let things um, you know kind of simmer because at some point it's going to be boiling over, especially with Doomsday cults. You see a lot of this with the Doomsday cults because they believe that the the end times are upon us. And uh, a lot of times it's the government or it's a, it's a racial group you know, that, wants to, that wants to take over, like uh, Charles Manson and his mm. bunch of dumbos. So we're, but we're, we're getting off topic here. We're getting out of, out of place here. Let's talk about a Mr. James Warren Jones. Now, as everybody knows about Jim Jones, he was the leader of the People's Temple. This began in, the, in Indiana in the 1950s, and then it ended up moving out to San Francisco in the early 70s. <clears throat> now, my my uh, my mother and my father they know about this cult uh, uh, because it, it, the 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 incident behind it was famous during their years. I wasn't born yet, so I couldn't tell you much about that. But uh, basically, what happened? I'll give you the, the short definition here, and uh, I'll discuss a little bit, Mike. Mr. Jim Jones took his people from Indiana to San Francisco, and then uh, that's Guyana. Guyana, yep. Yeah, Guyana, yep. Uh, and when he relocated them there, you know, took them from a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, a bunch of their families and stuff. Uh, a U.S. representative by the name of Leo Ryan. I think this is one of the biggest parts about this whole thing. I mean. Everybody knows about the Kool-Aid incident where he made the people drink the Kool-Aid or you got, you got shot. Either you die that way or you got shot. But uh, Leo Ryan went in to actually investigate what was going on. And he was a congressman, Ryan, of course. Yes, Ryan, yes, he was a U.S. representative. That is correct. Ryan and the others were murdered by gunfire while boarding a return flight with the defector. So people were trying to leave the cult, and Jones was like, nah, you know, I, can't, I can't do that. I let you guys leave. But he committed a mass murder-suicide of 918 of his followers. 304 were children, almost all by cyanide poisoning. Uh, a lot of people that didn't drink it, like I said, were shot with machine guns, and, and their bodies were found in mass graves. Some of them were found in in uh, just the way they had left them. A lot of people were killed before the mass suicide because people didn't want to be there. They didn't want to have to... Uh, they, they, they figured out, finally... After they and now, now I'm going to talk about what uh, what, what made people's temple such a big thing. Uh, uh, racial integration, I think, was the key factor in this. Now, a lot of people know that the, the 1900s weren't the kindest to the uh, African American population. I mean, the history has proven that. This isn't me getting on a soapbox saying anything but, but facts here. Mm. It, uh, you know, the integration between the races wasn't really, uh, it, it wasn't really uh, accepted for a long period of time in, in, in U.S. history, and that's just something we have to look at and say, hey, you know what, that was a, a terrible time in our, in, in our histories, or in our country's history, and we, and we move forward. Uh, but but Jim Jones is one of the one of the one of the few people who said, you know what, uh, black light, I don't care. You know, we're all we're all uh, children of the Lord, and, and you know we should all be together, and we should be 
everyone. White people should be with black people, and everybody should just be And that's what really pushed his uh, status as a cult leader. And to be a cult leader, you have to be able to, to, to prey on people's weaknesses and fears and use them to an advantage. That, hey, you know what? That guy sees what's going on here. I'm going to bring him on in here, and uh, we're going to see what we're going to see what's happening. So he he brought in uh, black and white people together in his people's temple. And if any folks go on YouTube, you can actually watch videos, uh, documentaries where he's actually uh, preaching in the people's temple. And there's people at the people's temple. They're they're celebrating him. They're, they're they love him. So. What, what happened because of that was you had a lot of white nationalists, white supremacists that drew swastikas and, and you know, defiled parts of his temple and left dynamite, all kinds of just evil things that, you know, what one shouldn't do, but, you know, white supremacists are they're a whole other bag. So we're not Him and his wife uh, actually adopted some 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 non uh, not non Caucasian, I should say, or non white children. And uh, then he he left. he they basically moved to Brazil. The whole the whole group of people, so people in his congregation, got to move with him and. Uh, they, they moved there, and he was he was around. So he went to Brazil. He went to California. He went to San Francisco. He went to Guyana. He went all these places. And people thought, hey, you know what? This guy's a really cool guy. He's a, he's a nice guy. He takes care of the people. Black, white, doesn't matter. He's for civil rights. And then it went to went to crap. So he he goes to Jonestown, right? That's where he was settles in a town called Jones, and I believe that he's the one who actually named it that after himself, mm-hmm. and settled there. They all drank the Kool-Aid. Uh, the congressman got murdered, and it wasn't until I believe the authorities, the Guiana, would it be Guiana authorities? Okay? As far as the the pronunciation, I yeah. I have a hard time trying to remember this Guyana. So <laughs> the authorities of, of, of Ghana, the authorities of Ghana, there we'll do it that way. It, it's, it still works. Uh, Jones was found on the floor resting a pillow near his deck chair with a gunshot wound to his head. Uh, that was a self-inflicted gunshot. Wound. So, but they 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 pretty much the, the authorities from from that country found and had heard all these rumblings and went over and there was just a sea of dead people. And a couple ma- a couple mass graves were found with folks that had already got in on the biz beforehand and figured out what was going on, and those people were silenced, so to speak. So what we see here is we see a charismatic leader lead all these people to a whole other place. Now, if, if anybody has knows the map, <laughs> Ghana isn't in, or, or Guyana isn't in the United States. In any part of the United States, so we're talking about people who had families, relatives, and, and they talk about this. They took him all. He took them all the way to a whole other country, and then had them all mm-hmm. kill each other, or had them all, you know, 
had them on the boiler clean them back. So when dealing with cults, one has to look at the cult figure and the type of people that that person brings into the fold. Very interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, and that, of course, informed probably people's decision to, to act the way they did with um, with the Branch Davidians and, and with uh, David Koresh because they'd remembered what we dealt with, with Jonestown and what happened when people acted too late or didn't see the signs. And maybe they thought that, hey, if we don't act right now, then the same thing is going to happen. And uh, But it's hard to say. I mean, maybe it would have, maybe it wouldn't have. There wasn't an indication that right. um, that, that many people were actually going to going to commit suicide at the compound. So you never know. Um, cults can be a crazy thing. I mean, cults have even figured kind of in our history as far as uh, there's a lot of secret societies and things out there, and a lot of them get lumped in with cults because they're very similar. And sometimes they're both, like a secret society can be a cult, and a cult can be a secret society, but they're not necessarily totally exclusive to each other. Um, back in World War II, of course, one of the famous cults that uh, that we figured out about after going through various records from uh, from Nazi Germany was the Thule Society, and uh, the Thule Society was a group of which Adolf Hitler was a member, and he he tossed funding and things towards, and they believed that things like various holy relics and uh, and spirits of the dead could speak to uh, could speak prophecy of the future. And um, and could guide him on on how to make the world the way that he wanted to make the world, and one of the things that did was the Thule Society was instrumental in convincing him that uh, items like the Spear of Destiny, which we talked about on our relics episode, um, would help him win the war, and uh, he put a lot of stock into what they had to say, and uh, there's still people who believe some of the ideas that that the Thule Society kind of brought forth. They had, they believed in a, a mystical energy source called Vril, um, which is, uh, if you look around online, there's people even on Facebook today who talk about Vril as 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 if it's a real like thing that we've just completely ignored, and uh, it gets lumped in with like the the flat Earth stuff, with the inner Earth stuff, with a lot of those other like how the, there's Tibetan masters living on the inside of a hollow planet and things like that. So you got to kind of wonder, okay, well, how much of this was really, you know, and how much is us just reading into it? But, um, again, it was an idea started by a cult. And it's, it's it, for anyone that's looking into the Phil Society, it's a fascinating read. Oh, yeah. I've read a couple of, of some things that were written by folks in the Phil Society. Now, granted, it's pretty much racial purity. That's pretty much what it is. They believe that they're. I think the. I thought that the, the Vril was a people too. I thought the Vril were actually people. Um, it, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, they. There's a lot of different sources to it. The base concept is that it was actually an energy source, and that a certain group of people used it. Um, there are some people that say if you read it closely enough, that the Vril were actually an alien species yeah. that brought their energy here, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. You know, it's difficult whenever you're dealing with this kind of stuff in past tense. It's difficult to uh, to really follow where it all got started and what the actual truth is. And especially when you have so much really bizarre—I mean, just out there ideas—and the real like that whole full society was very odd. And and funny enough, Hitler. 
distance himself after he after he got to power. He had pretty much all those people killed. Mm-hmm. People that were in that society with him pretty much ended up dead when he became Chancellor of Germany. So either he believed it enough to where he took that that concept, those concepts, enough to where he was like, hey, we're the pure blood race. Here it is. It's laid out in the full societies. Uh, there, there was a name for the manifesto that they had, and they, and they would read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like a magazine almost. And took that to its height, and then as soon as he got power where he knew nobody could dethrone him or uh, uh, usurp him, he was like, ah, yeah, you know, whatever. That's gobbledygook. I'm just going to, you know, eliminate the Jewish people and, you know, make Germany the best country. So, and then he had all those people killed. So it, it one doesn't, nobody knows if Hitler truly believed it or if he just used it on his rise to power, which is very possible. He was a charismatic figure. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe even a cult himself. But, Some people sometimes will you know, say that the Nazis themselves were a cult in and of itself, but that's that's kind of uh, yeah. a really difficult subject to say for sure because they did have a, a lot of his inner circle did have some occult tendencies, but as far as the rank and file, um, I think you'd be hard pressed to find people who who believed that it was that it was something like that. But you know, it does show a lot of the hallmarks. Now. A group that actually was considered a cult, a racial cult, actually, was the Ku Klux Klan, or the Knights of mm-hmm. the Golden Circle. Uh, these idiots, sorry, I'm, I'm just going to come <laughs> out and say it. They're idiots. They're, They're still idiots. around, too, in some form, They're and idiots. it's still pretty ridiculous. But uh... You're a bunch of idiots. If, any, if, if there's actually a Klan member listening to, to this show, don't, because you're an idiot. <laughs> you, you, I don't, I don't respect any form or shape of that. And a lot of people know the claim what they did. You know, they, they, they lynched African Americans, they killed them, drug them by trucks. Just a heinous, heinous group of people that believed in the the white supremacy myth that the white man was the the driving force and the most powerful thing and the end all be all. And they still die. So, and you know, anytime you get a cult group that put or a racial cult, I would say, that puts a race above all other races and says this is the pure race, just remember, unite. I've yet to see a race that doesn't die. So, you know, you're out there thinking you're superior, but you're going to be dead just like me. You know, we all die. And until there's a, until somebody says, well, we're the superior race, but we don't die. Okay, go from there. But you also have a lot of skinhead groups that have that have come up that they also consider to be cults more on the destructive cult of a racist cult or a terrorist cult. There's a lot of these things they do take out uh, weapons. Some people say that Al Qaeda could also be a cult, just based on the fact that how it indoctrinates its members and it's got like a really close knit totalitarian society and it has a charismatic leader mm-hmm. uh, such as Osama bin Laden. I can't, you know, he was... The interesting thing about about that is that uh, there are people who... And this is getting into some touchy stuff, so I don't want to get into where people are like, you were saying bad things, blah, blah, blah. Um, The stuff that, that, like, Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, and things like that, uh, if you ask um, people who follow Islam here in the U.S., a lot of them will say, no, no, those guys are radicals, those guys don't actually follow Islam. So then again, they could be part of a separate splinter group, which could be considered a cult. But Islam, as written, doesn't allow for cults. So then you have to say, well, is all of Islam a cult? And then you get yourself into trouble because, again, that's a touchy subject. And that's not what I'm saying. 
for anybody out no. there who is wondering. I'm not going to be like, well, Islam is a cult, because I'm not going to do that. That's not exactly what I believe. So it's just one of those things where offshoots from, from a lot of the big religions can become cult-like or seem cult-like depending on context. Correct. And I think one thing we have to look at, too, is any form of extremism in, in, a, religious, in, a, in a religion as big as, say, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, things of that nature, there's always going to be little offshoots that you would consider a cult that may preach the, the, the tenets of, say, a Christianity, but they don't, uh, they, 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 they mold it more around what they think it actually is instead of what it's actually saying. And that's how a lot of cults get formed. A lot of people get pulled in through the, the they use God's love as a key part. A lot of Christian cults obviously do this, and, and I'm sure a lot of mm-hmm. other cults do it too. Islam will, will use, or Islamic cults, We'll use, you know, uh, the the jihad. That's the main component for a lot of Islamic cults. And like I said, and like Spider said, we're not we're not uh, gonna sit here and, and and say that Islam itself is a cult because that wouldn't. I don't believe that in the slightest. Uh, I do believe that Islam has its cult. It has its cult sects because I mean every religious sect or every religion has a sect, and a lot of those sects are radicals. And that's just, that's life. Anytime you have a, a, a belief system that has power or can be used to have power over folks, you're going to have some corruption. You're going to have some uh, some greedy folks. You're going to have people that, that, that want other people dead and they're going to use this. Maybe maybe they'll use like a Bible verse because a lot of times with your doomsday calls, you're gonna, they're going to use a lot of stuff from Revelation. That's their big thing. That this here is... is is the end all be all like um, you know like George Bush oh well he's the antichrist or such and such is the antichrist or Hitler is the antichrist and there's so many people that say that all these people are the antichrist so they use like different little parts of revelations not revelations as a whole or not the bible as a whole they use little small pieces and then they warp the entire group around that you know verse live by that a lot of doomsday cult will use the, the, the horse, or the, I'm sorry, the, like, uh, the pestilence and, and plagues and death. And the, you know, I saw the rider sitting on a pale horse, that sort of thing. They'll use that analogy to mean it's that person in government or it's that thing or it's that thing. And so they'll wrap the entire cult around a couple of verses and really pull the people in. And pull, they, they, they prey on the people's fears. They think, oh, man. Is that that makes sense? Like, that definitely could be. And the next thing you know, giving all your money away to the cult. Don't do it. And it's interesting because sometimes all it takes for a cult to become not a cult and become widespread is size and effort. Because back in the day, in uh, in ancient Roman times, Christianity began as what was considered a cult. So you never know what's going to happen. Um, we're getting kind of towards the end of, of of the time we have for, for talking about cults. So um, let's talk about a couple of pop culture references. Um, we'll bring up two of them, one for each of us. I know right now that Rob here is involved with something involving cults in the video game world. So let's talk about that. But I'm not in a real cult. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's get that out of the way. Yes, actually, I'm playing Far Cry 5, which takes place in Montana. 
And uh, these folks are known as the Project uh, Eden's Gate. And they're called Peggies is the derogatory term for them. And it's really, it's a really fun, uh, really look at cults. And, and I've always been into cults. I've always been uh, really fascinated with how people could follow such a charismatic person to, to their to their own doom, you know. Um, but this game revolves around a uh, man named uh, Joshua uh, Seed, Joshua Seed, and him and his brother jo Jacob Seed, his other brother, and his sister, Faith Seed. But there's a couple of things in there that I don't want to ruin for you, so I'm not going to say anything else. In terms of the plot of who those folks are and what they're about, but uh, basically, it's a doomsday cult. It says that nuclear war is coming and join us. We're going to prep for it. We have to take these drugs. We're going to be we're going to indoctrinate you. And what I found to be a really fascinating aspect of this cult itself is the self. I believe they call it flagellation, where you basically uh, announce your sin and then you pretty much beat yourself. Saying they just did this with whips and they would flip their back. Well, uh, one of the interesting parts of this is, is, is his brother John C. When he, when they talk about confessing their sins, be, because it is an extreme uh, Christian-esque cult. When it talks about their sins, they literally carve the sin on the chest and then tattoo it on there as well. And so that's part of it. You, you basically get tortured to confess all of your sins. And then that is when the brainwashing happens and you become so uh, thankful for these people for taking these, these, these sins out of your body. And you have it on your body too. You have them, you have it labeled on your body. So you always remember the life before. And then uh, the sister, because I haven't, I haven't been yet. The sister Faith, she did a lot of stuff with uh, drugs. The, the brainwashing aspect because it's always easy to brainwash somebody if you trust to help and aid in that but so far I really like it really cool to see like all the, the doomsday preppers and, and, and this cult and you're fighting against this cult and it, it really goes from 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 uh, zero to 60 in, in seconds like a Lamborghini I mean it goes there in seconds with this, you know, they, they start off as a small group and they start taking little land here, little land there, little land there, little land. Next thing you know, they got pilots that are in there that fly and they try to trying to kill you with a helicopter. Machine guns, they got all they got stuck piles of weapons, food. And I think the reason why I like it so much is because it could happen in modern day society. Though I think as people get smarter, you don't hear much about cults anymore, not as much as you used to. Maybe they're just laying low, but you know, we haven't really had a big cult thing since uh, Heaven's Gate, at least that I can remember. Maybe I'm wrong if I am I mean, on the comments. But yeah, Far Cry 5. I mean, that's, if you want a good game to play uh, against cult or, or, or about cults and kind of like cult ideology and what it does to the people and what it does to, uh, to your character because you get captured by this cult a couple of times and that's part of the goal. I'm not going to spoil that. But it really just shows the impact that, that these groups, these, these crazy just uh, wild groups have on the society. So I'll, I'll pass it over to Spike. Now, one of the things that, um, one of the most um, recent that I can think of other than that, this is um, this is actually books and movies. Um, the Dan Brown books, 
dealing with um, let's see, Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons and Inferno. In Angels and Demons, there was not not strictly they don't spell it out as a cult, but there was a secret society of people who didn't want certain information to get out, and they were actually in charge of a like a for lack of a better term, I know it's this isn't exactly what it is, but it's a, a piece of antimatter. And they were going to use it to cause some kind of disaster and make it look like that the the Catholic Church was your your only salvation, et cetera, et cetera. Was and it the um, day? Yep. To be the yep. Day that was the... Now there's Sorry, a. Sorry, I don't know if you're going to say that. Oh yeah, yeah. I I had forgotten what it was called, so I'm kind of stalling to like remember. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> um, Opus Day is a group in the Catholic Church that's it's um it, it's based around like a like a like knowledge and things like that. It's it's the hidden knowledge, the secret stuff that they keep in the the Vatican library that everybody has this conspiracy theories about. And um and they're supposed to be one of the most loyal parts of the Catholic Church. Like they're they're supposed to be like you you can't you can't convince them not to believe they're they're one hundred percent true believers. And so Dan Brown used them as a, a a a separate cult kind of character group in order to uh to tell the story. And while I'm not a big fan of his writing I, I really didn't enjoy the books so much, but the basic story was okay. So for anybody out there who is interested in the story, and if you do like the style of writing that he does, it's a pretty good modern analogy of uh, of how some cults operate within larger religions. Um, and that being said, we've got about five minutes before we change over to our next topic. So I'm going to go ahead and play our little mid-show break here, and we'll be back in about a minute and a half. Stay tuned. everybody, it's your good friend Spider from Let's Talk About the Music Radio Network here to tell you about all the quality content that we have for you to listen to every week. On Wednesday night at 11 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 Pacific, it's the Let's Talk About the Music Radio Show. It's our flagship show. It sets the cornerstone of the whole network. We talk to a wide range of industry professionals in the entertainment business, and we get their opinions on all kinds of things, controversial or otherwise. Tune in. On Thursday nights, it's the brand new This Uncanny Earth, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Pacific, where we talk about a wide variety of paranormal experiences, paranormal instances, and anything else that ends with Z. Ha 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 You knew it have to sneak a joke in there somewhere. So tune into that with me and my good buddy Rob every week. Get to the chat room, get to the Facebook group, This Uncanny Earth Official, and let's hear your opinions. On Friday nights, every week, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, you have the Dirty Rotten Weekend with me, and I'm going to be playing the best underground indie music for you, uncensored, unfiltered, commercial-free for a couple hours for your listening pleasure. And that's what we got. Tune in every week and listen on demand on a wide variety of streaming services. I look forward to seeing you in the chat room. Welcome back. I hope you guys enjoyed that uh, minute and a half break. Uh, so we were talking about cults. We had a good time talking about it. We, you know, we had a blast. It was kind of a little uh, a change on the fly of that from what we had talked about. Said we were going to talk about last week, but I thought it was a good uh, uh, discussion to bring up. And we, we we can always talk about those separate cults on a separate show. Go through maybe like one or two and and go from there. But I think what we're going to do is we're going to shift gears a little. We're going to get in our uh, This Uncanny Earth mobile, and we're going to head on over into Arkansas. 
And we're going to talk about the, 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 the folk monster, but he's also known as the Beast of Boggy Creek. So let's, uh, let's discuss the Beast of Boggy Creek. All right, Boggy Creek. Now, I have to say, um, I know this isn't where we talk about our pop culture, but I'm just going to mention it real quick. When I first heard about the, the Beast of Boggy Creek, I actually heard it through an episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yes, and uh, for anybody who doesn't know what that means, that's a it's a a show that was on Sci Fi Channel and Comedy Central for a while way back in the day, and it's back on Netflix now. It's been revived, but um, it uh, they watch really bad movies and um, and and make fun of them so that you don't have to. And um, <laughs> one of the movies that they did was Boggy Creek Two, which is uh, by the continues. that's right <laughs> by Charles Pierce, who um, who has a bit of history with the legend kind of. Um, but uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. But the the movie basically uh, is a fictionalized account based off of his first movie, which was more of like a fictionalized half-fiction, half-kind-of-true documentary. It was like huh? a dramatized documentary about people's dealings with the, the supposed beast. And um, the second movie was mostly mostly fictional with um, a couple of things that supposedly they said that they'd, they'd heard about people, but it didn't have any interviews or anything like that. So Funny, um, funny enough... Before we start, the, the, the first movie actually had the people mm-hmm. who saw the monster. They were actually the actors that were in the That's movie right. itself. They played themselves in many cases. Cool. Yes, yes, yes. So but, the but second movie didn't really have that so much. Spider, tell us about this creature. Tell us. Let the us folk know. monster. The folk monster. Now, this is basically, um, the way it's described, it's kind of like a Bigfoot kind of Sasquatch mm-hmm. monster. The thing that's distinctive about this, though, is it has three-toed feet, and not like tridactyl feet, like like how some dinosaurs or lizards have like three big clawed toes, but like just a regular-sized person's foot, just larger for like a, a more of a beast size with three toes. So that's interesting. It's not something you usually hear from Bigfoot legends and th- and, uh, and that kind of thing. Um, but it was in folk in Miller County, Arkansas, during the early yes. 1970s. And while it was mostly seen then, the last recorded sighting has actually been relatively recently mm-hmm. in 2010. So Ooh. this thing could still be running around. Um, in the you 1970s... Come on the show. That's right. Come join St. Germain. Be on the show with us. Um, yes. Shout out the- to Count St. Germain. <laughs> Every episode, buddy. Every episode. We're, until you come on the show, you're getting mentioned. And then if you come on the show... You're just going to be a staple of the show. So just That's come right. on and get it over with, Count. Get on the show. Stop <laughs> playing around. Get on the show. I got questions, and you have the answers. So let's go. Anyways, back back to the folk monster. And I don't mean a monster that plays uh, uh, an acoustic guitar and uh, sings about things that folk singers sing about. He sounds like he'd be singing some swamp blues, I think. Some swampy oh. little... <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, in the 1970s, the early 1970s, um, there were reports that the creature was accused of attacking a local family, and the initial sightings were concentrated in the Jonesville Boggy Creek area, which is why it got the nickname of the Boggy Creek Monster, the Beast of Boggy Creek. And it was blamed for the destruction of local livestock. Later sightings were made several hundred miles to the north and the east of Falk. Um it was named by journalist Jim Powell, who reported on it for the Texarkana, Texarkana, Texarkana Gazette and the Texarkana oh, wow. Daily. 
It's a, it's a difficult word to say. You look at it, and it doesn't look like it should be that bad. But once you get it in your mouth, you're just like, So, Texer Cat. I know people are listening to like, can you guys bring back that not showing up next week show? You guys have been drinking already, man. I usually talk better after you've been drinking, so obviously not. Weird. Maybe we'll have to play the drinking game on this show, too. I mean, sheesh. That's right. At least for us, if not for anybody else. <laughs> uh, oh, my, my fault. I don't. <laughs> There's some funnies there, guys. You know, got to keep you guys laughing. Got to keep the listeners thinking it's a fun time. That's right. Um, now, what does this thing look like? The thing, uh, it, the reports between 1971 and 1974 described it as being a large hominid-like creature, which is more or less a humanoid bipedal, um, covered in long, dark hair, estimated about 7 feet tall with a weight of 250 to 300 pounds. They said the chest was about 3 feet wide. Uh, later reports claimed that it was far larger, with one report describing it as 10 feet tall with an estimated weight of 800 pounds. Um, some accounts described the monster as running swiftly with a galloping gait and swinging its arms in a fashion similar to a monkey. Reports also describe it as having a terrible odor, the odor being described as a combination of a skunk and a wet dog, and as having bright red eyes about the size of silver dollars. A variety of tracks and claw marks have been discovered, which are claimed to belong to the creature. One set of footprints reportedly measured 17 inches in length and 7 inches wide, while another appeared to show that the creature only had three toes. And this creature also, they so supposedly they can breed. Nobody's found where, but uh, after um, after the the Boggy Creek monster and in more recent, a young lady actually saw uh, what was what appeared to be uh, another Boggy Creek monster, but it, it it had characteristics and and traits of a juvenile: facial features, the way it acted, and. Uh, she, she was an expert in working with animals, you know, their age groups of animals and, and seeing what, where they were would be in, in people as such as a teen or a baby or an adult. She said that this was one that had uh, juvenile features. It saw her, got scared, started making, and, and they make the, the sound they make supposedly on, on the small town monsters, Foggy uh, Creek movie. The, uh, another documentary that came out in 2016. Supposedly, Lyle Blackburn got it on camera. Uh, it was first; it, it was knocking a tree, and then it let out a, a, a I don't know what you'd call it, uh, almost a, not so much a yell, but almost like a. a, a they call it a whoop, a whooping yeah. noise. Yeah, it's almost like that. Yeah, you're right. It's almost like that, and. So if you get a chance, you'll definitely see that. But but the Boggy Creek supposedly can can reproduce, and they say that there's more than one that that, that they've seen. So, and they said that after the the the, the, the youngster screamed or the juvenile, whatever, you know, I've uh, Mom and pop came running. Very 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 interesting. If, if these monsters breeding, mm. churning up children. Crazy stuff, and um, it, it reminds me a lot of, of, of our episode a couple weeks back about talking about the, the Bray Road Beast, because there were supposedly reports that there were more than one of those, which stands to reason that perhaps that, that they're, they're uh, some kind of 
they're genetically diverse. It, it, it means that they're they're somehow breeding in in some fashion, and um, it it makes you wonder how many of these creatures, if uh, assuming of course they exist, where they would be, um, where they would all go. How how prevalent are they? How many of them actually survive um, being adolescents and things? Um, another. Uh, uh, some interesting things is that the very first earliest sightings were actually from 1953 and 1955, and supposedly it was spotted by a 14-year-old boy. He described it as having reddish-brown hair, sniffed at the air, and did not react when it was fired upon with birdshot. Um, investigator Joe Nickel observed that the description is consistent with a misidentified black bear, however. And um, perhaps that's uh, that's we can discount that sighting, or maybe not. Um the folk residents claim that an ape-like creature had roamed the area since 1964, but those sightings had not been reported to news services. Local legend also holds that the creature can be further traced back to sightings in 1946. Most early sightings were in the region of Jonesville. Um, the Jonesville Monster was a nickname during that period. Um, now, after 1971, it made... Uh, it's reportedly attacked... Um, the home of Bobby and Elizabeth Ford. And uh, according to Elizabeth Ford, the creature, which she initially took to be a bear, reached through a screen window while she was sleeping on a couch. It was chased away by her husband and his brother Don, who were suffering from mild shock when he arrived. During the encounters, the Fords filed sev or fired several shots at the creature and believed that they'd hit it, though no traces of blood were found. An extensive search of the area failed to locate the creature, but three-toed footprints were found close to the house, scratch marks on the porch, and some damage to a window on the house's siding. According to the Fords, they had heard something moving around outside late at night several nights before their encounter, but having lived in the house for less than a week, had never encountered the creature before. Very interesting. And a lot of these places that that uh, the, the families have seen, a lot of these places in in that area are, are done or not done but demolished the general stores the one of the houses of one of the the, the people that lived kind of in that creek area was abandoned actually not abandoned but it, it they they moved in the place never got bought by anybody so you have to wonder if maybe that creature legend is true maybe that's why nobody wanted to live there after those people left they thought ah you know, Jan and Tom moved because of that old Boggy Creek monster, right? Mm -hmm. You really want to live with the Boggy Creek monster? And, you know, she's like, I don't want to live with any monster. So, you're not buying that house. Now, the creature was spotted again later that same month. This was in the month of May, when three people, D.C. Woods Jr., Wilma Woods, and Mrs. R.H. Sedgas, reported seeing an ape-like creature crossing U.S. Highway 71. More sightings were made over the following months by local residents and tourists who found additional footprints. The best-known footprints were found in a soybean field belonging to local filling station owner Scott Keith. They were scrutinized by game warden Carl Gallion, who was unable to confirm their authenticity. Like the Ford prints, they appeared to indicate that the creature had only three toes. And uh, it began to attract substantial attention during the early 1970s. And um, supposedly, a radio station, KAAY, in Little Rock, Arkansas, posted a $1,090 bounty on the creature. Several attempts were made to track the creature with dogs, but they were unable to follow its scent. 
and when hunters began to take interest in the folk monster, Miller County Sheriff Leslie Greer was forced to put a temporary no-guns policy in place in order to preserve public safety. And in 1971, later in that year, three people were fined $59 each for filing a fraudulent monster report. <laughs> you know, you really, don't, you really don't expect that to be a thing until it actually happens, and you're like, what'd you get in trouble for? Ah, you know, it's filing fraudulent monster reports, you know, how that happens. <laughs> um, now, later on, in um, after this initial bunch of attention, it, the public interest decreased until 1973, when Charles B. Pierce released a documentary-style horror feature on the creature in, um, in 1972, The Legend of Boggy Creek. By late 1974, interest had waned again, and sightings all but stopped. Now, getting into The Legend of Boggy Creek, let's take a look at that. Um, now, the the movie goes along with a book by Mr. Lyle Blackburn um, that covers the, the history of the Falcon Monster and the making of the drama. So if you're interested in the making of The Legend of Boggy Creek from 1972, look for the book The Beast of Boggy Creek, The True Story of the Falcon Monster, by Lyle Blackburn. That gives you a little bit of extra background that we might not give you here. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to get in touch with, uh, with Mr. Blackburn and see if maybe we can get him on the show. He's he's done a lot of work with the Small Town Monsters guy, so I'm hoping mm-hmm. maybe uh, he can come on this uncanny earth and maybe talk about the Boggy Creek Monster Wars. Mm-hmm. Now, The Legend of Boggy Creek, of course, um, it's the story of Bobby Ford's encounter with the Falk Monster. Um and it's a semi-factual documentary-style horror feature. Uh, it was initially titled Tracking the Falk Monster. Um, it played in movie and drive-in theaters around the country. Written by Earl E. Smith and directed by Charles B. Pierce. And um, it, garage owner Willie E. Smith, on whose land three-toed footprints were found, starred as himself. And many characters were named after the people who played them or were... Uh, actually people who had experienced the events playing in the film. Uh, much of it was shot in folk and nearby Texarkana. Um, some film, some scenes were also filmed in Shreveport, Louisiana. Most of the cast were local people or Texarkana college students, um, and it grossed $20 million at the box office, which for 1972 is probably not that bad, honestly. Um, but it did dramatize a lot of what happened. There is There is some facts in there. Like, if you watch it and you take out and you assume that everything in the movie is a, a dramatization, then it can give you a good idea of how people kind of felt at the time when they encountered the monster, um, how they felt when they thought they saw what they saw, and um, and that kind of thing. If you go to the following movie called Boggy Creek 2 and the Legend Continues, it's written, directed, and stars Charles B. Pierce, and uh, it was shot on location around Falk and um, it's a sequel but it is entirely fictional. They had some, supposedly they based it off of some encounters that people had had in the area but um, none of the interviews, none of the documentary style that were in the uh, original and much more sensationalized. So if you're looking for more entertainment, um, Boggy Creek 2, if you're looking for more something that reflects a little bit of the, the supposed facts of the situation than the legend of Boggy Creek. Now, actually, it's funny you mention that because before Boggy Creek 2, there was actually a return to Boggy Creek. That was in 1977, and this uh, second folk monster film 
the Boggy Creek crew. Uh, the entire plot is fictional. It's not even. It's not even uh, based on the true story at that point. And, and I think you see as as the the stories go, they uh, they, they they continue to, to to. It's like telephone. After a while, it actually starts to get kind of broken up and and kind of just you know. Oh, so what happened? Okay, well I'm gonna add that the uh, that the Boggy Creek monster wore a fedora. <laughs> Aura wearing legacy of the boggiest of the creeks, which is another movie. And the, the funny thing here is, we talked, I think, either on this show, we talked on the let's talk about the music show. Uh, about oh, yes, we did. We actually talked when we talked to Mr. Craig Aarons, uh, last week, was it, uh, yeah, last week. We were talking about how paranormal activity has like five movies, Saw has like 30,000. The Boggy Creek series, it's a series, folks. It goes one, two, three, four, five. Five Boggy Creeks, and it's it's all just about Boggy. You know, you think, hey, I thought one Boggy Creek was enough. No, welcome to the Boggy Creek. Uh, <laughs> the franchise. Universe, it's the universe. So, go out and get the Xbox One version. No, <laughs> no I'm kidding. I don't think there is one yet. Uh but developers get on it. Make a Boggy Creek game. I'm sure people would like it. That's right. Um, so, so far, um, what's your take on all this? So, uh, do you think that, that a lot of this is, is sensationalized? Do you think uh, do you think some people saw some things? And, and I mean, what do you think about the three toes? I mean, the three-toed thing kind of throws me off because most Bigfoot stuff, it's a normal four- or five-toed, well, five-toed creature just like the rest of us. I think what we have to understand here about about any form of cryptid, uh, Bigfoot, or or otherwise, if there wasn't so many sightings of things of this nature, I I could write it off. I could say, well, maybe you know they got into Uncle Joe's moonshine, they got drunk, thought they saw it. It was really just a bear or ape or gorilla. But when you have people from other walks of life in other cities, countries, states, the world over. People are seeing the abominable snowman. They're seeing uh, the Yeti, Bigfoot, Boggy Creek monster, the uh, Beast of Bray Road. When you're seeing all these bipedal creatures, you have to think to yourself: there has to be a, a, a nugget, a nugget of truth buried in there. Now, maybe this Boggy Creek monster is, but you know, it's really hard to when you see the townsfolk in the Seth Breedlove picture about the same event they're genuine now maybe they're actors maybe they're not the real people and maybe i'm just you know like oh man that's really cool because i'm interested in it but they always you can always tell the difference between somebody who probably never saw it and somebody who did and i, I you know like i said i could be wrong none of those people myself they might all have been paid actors but i don't i don't believe that so I do believe that the Boggy Creek monster is possible. Do I believe it is this level where people are like, "Man, I got to make a movie about it and do this and do that"? I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it's possible, but I definitely believe that Bigfoot type creatures do exist. And, and in my opinion, they live in caves. They don't live in out in the open. They live in caves because it's easier if you know to navigate a cave system if you know the cave system. You know, if you don't know the top land very well and there's people everywhere, at some point you're like, "Ah, I need to. I need to. I need to take the." Cave. You can go in one part of the cave, come out three miles down the road, and and who's gonna who's gonna really want to traverse a cave, knowing that you went in there, knowing you know it. You're not going to go in after. So I don't 
So yeah, I definitely believe it's possible. What about you? Um, I'm I'm pretty open as far as the Bigfoot stuff goes. I think a lot of people kind of get out of control with the Bigfoot stuff and the Sasquatch kind of thing because everybody wants it to be more true than some of it might be. So there's a lot of stuff that might be a little bit like, well, I think you're stretching a little bit. But um, <laughs> enough people, <laughs> enough people have have seen something about this and and continue to see something like this. Like as as recent right. as 2010. Somebody supposedly um, um, saw the the creature run in front of their vehicle. Um, let me take a look at what it says here. Um, in uh, a married couple apparently saw a large hairy bipedal creature run across a country a county road near Folk in 2010. So, um, and there were 40 reported sightings in 1997. In 1998, the creature was supposedly sighted in a dry creek bed five miles south of Folk. So, uh, when you get, the more and more sightings you get, especially after the initial, I, I'm more inclined to think that there's something going on. If it's just you get a bunch of sightings at one particular moment, and then nothing after that, for years and years and years and years and years, I think maybe it might be misidentified. It might be something that's like, oh, well, we didn't know what it was, but it was scary, so we made up this monster. Um... <laughs> Because if you don't continue to see it after that, then, you know, whatever it was isn't whatever it was. But um, if it's something that you continue to see, that makes a bit of a difference. Like, I kind of have to wonder, okay, well, what are you seeing? If it's not this monster that you are that you think it is, then what is it? And, uh, and, and I think it'd be a worthwhile investigation. I think that's something that... And I'm sure many, many people have... Um, have gone on trips and have done investigations into it, but um, it's one of those things that I think the digger, the the deeper people dig, the more you're going to come close to something that resembles some form of whatever the original treat was. Whew, goodness, that was a mouthful. That was a, <laughs> that was rough there. That that's how you call it the Boggy Creek monster, actually. Boggy Creek. Boggy Creek. So, where do you stand on Boggy Creek? Do you uh, are are you uh, are you a guy that would like to go down and see Boggy Creek and see if maybe this monster's real, or are you just like I don't think I'm going to stay home for this? Oh no, absolutely. I I'll add it to my list because there's a list. I, I've got a short list of places that I like to go, and it's a short list because I I have a lot of skepticism about some things. Um, so far on my list is uh, number one, obviously, is Mothman. Number yes. one, is Mothman. Quite pleasant. And and actually, I think. Like I said, uh, I, I, my goal this year, this coming year, 2019, so we're still in 2018, uh, our, 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 this Uncanny Earth's goal is to do more traveling shows because, I, you know, as much as I like to sit here and talk, I'd rather go out and do, and I think that we're going to try to bring the radio show along as best as we can. It's going to be kind of hard because there's a lot of places I want to go, and I need to uh, talk to some people. Civic Theaters one because supposedly it's haunted. There's a couple other places in in in, in, in areas that we that we are in that are haunted. I would like to see if we can get in touch with the owners and say, hey, you know what, your uh, your thing is haunted, right? Well, how about you come on the show or you let us come there for the show, and then we'll advertise, you know, for for what what, what you got coming up. It couldn't hurt. Um, so we want to do that. I kind of like to make my way to Mansfield uh, Reformatory as a place to go because I've been there on ghost hunts and while I'm not, uh, well, I'm, I'm more skeptical on ghosts than I am on cryptids or aliens, oddly enough. But, um, 
it, it wasn't so much the fact that, that I thought it was haunted as much as I just, it was cool being in a place where, uh, you know, you could feel that the air was a little bit heavier there. So we're trying to go there. We're trying to go to the Mothman Festival, the, the maybe the Flatwoods Green Monster Festival. So in 2019, look for this Uncanny Earth to be at different locations, and hopefully we can figure out how to get on the spot location. Uh, recordings or, or um, streamings, if we have to, and this is this is a big if here. If we have to, I think what we'll do is we'll just do pre-recorded shows from the site so that you folks know it's not live, and then we'll post it up. You know, we'll, we'll, me and me and me and Fred are gonna sit down and talk, and we definitely want to go to, to Point Plus. Continue on. I'm sorry, Spider. Oh no, it was a good aside. Um, there's a lot to be said about on-hand investigation, and um, and I think a lot of us would like to do more on-hand than what is sometimes economically feasible. But um, I, I, it's definitely in the forecast, and Boggy Creek wouldn't be too bad. It's it's a bit of a distance. I mean, Wisconsin is uh, it's not close. <laughs> Wisconsin is far enough, but I mean like. You know, uh, this is this is this is next level driving for us. Arkansas, Wisconsin, all these different places. Right. Um, right. So, but yeah, Bug Creek is on my list. Um, Mothman's on my list. Uh, Flatwoods is on my list. Um, and and see, I I've been to Flatwoods. That's the one I've been to personally. So, it's going to be really cool to take Spider here and be like, yeah. So this is where the the, the monster landed, and we had hot chocolate s'mores. <laughs> Go ahead, though, Spider. My fault. Didn't mean to interrupt you again. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, that's um, that's what I've got going on. And um, if any of you guys have any stories from the area, if anybody out there is listening from Arkansas, or if you um, if you know anybody from there, if you got family from there, um, <clears throat> by all means, just let us know. Get on the show. Tell us about things. Um, we'd love to hear your stories about that and about all kinds of things. Anybody who's listening to the show from now and from previous and in future episodes, if you hear any part of the show, anything that we mention, whether it's Ancient Aliens, Men in Black, The Folk Monster, Count St. Germain. St. Germain, definitely tell us about him. <laughs> but um, tell us about it. You know, get in touch with us via the Facebook group, yes. um, This Uncanny Earth Official. Come we're into the still, chat room still, for us. We're still working on the, on the group. It's slow goings in there. Mm. We're, we're, we're working. We're working. Well, yeah, just engage us on this kind of stuff. We want to mm. talk about it. We, we'll probably feature a lot of this stuff on the show as we get the reports coming in. Uh, a possible show in the future is having a, a long list of first-hand accounts from people that we've talked to personally to put on the show. Whether we get a recording of you talking about it or whether you just send us a written whatever, we're going to put it on the show. That's going to be a future episode once we have enough first-hand stories. Um, and, and, and if you don't want us to... Uh, to, if you if you don't want to talk on air and you want to talk in private, you want to meet with us, you know, in your home or or we can, we can find a, a neutral meeting place. We'll do that too. And we won't we won't reveal your name. We won't say where you're from. We'll just say you know we had talked to a witness uh, who did not want to disclose their identity at this time. Mm-hmm. And we respect your privacy. We definitely will respect your 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 anonymity. Your anonymity. I think I hope I said that Anonymity. Right. Yep. Very I know, I know people It's like sea like, anemone. Right. <laughs> I know that people, these boys have a radio show, but they can barely string words together. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to be on the show, please come come on. You know, we, we, we want this show. We want to engage with you folks out there just as much as we like engaging with each other. 
on this show. And I'm sure it would give all you folks out there who are tired of hearing our voices a break from hearing our voices. You can hear somebody else's voice for a few hours. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, man, so where do we go from here? Um, let's where talk about because we, we talked a little bit about Boggy Creek and pop culture because yes. it was really definitely intertwined already. It wasn't something that we could just kind of save till later, I think. Um, but uh, what kind of Bigfoot stuff, what kind of uh, Sasquatch-related stuff is out there. Uh, we've got Boggy Creek. We've got um, there's a v- whole variety of, uh, of yeah. B movie esque kind of Sasquatch shows. Shows about I Yetis. believe. I believe the the oh, what was it? I just had it in my head too. Um, uh, of course, of course, it would leave as I'm trying to remember what it is. <laughs> but I think the 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 Minerva the, the Minerva monster isn't that a. a uh, a Sasquatch-esque type figure, I think. I thought the Minerva monster was a Sasquatch-esque type of... Uh, I believe you're right. Um, I'll have to look it up afterwards here and take a peek. But um, there's several movies out there. Most of them... I don't think there's been a modern... Um, a modern Sasquatch movie in quite a long time. Although the most recent movie about Boggy Creek was in uh, 2011 called The Legacy of Boggy Creek. And uh, it's a low-budget indie film, originally released in 2009 under the title The Skunk Ape Story, later re-edited and released on video in 2011 as The Legacy of Bobby, uh, Boggy Creek. And it's a docudrama... Bobby Creek. Bobby Creek. He might have been there. Um, <laughs> the docudrama chronicles the events that began after the original attacks on Falk. It was written and directed by Dustin Ferguson. And it's, again, more of like a documentary kind of thing. So there hasn't been like a really like Bigfoot fictional movie out there in a long time. Not since, I think, the 80s, honestly, um, is the last time I remember there being a movie like that. So It's been a I while. Th- it's, a, it's an area that's kind of ripe for some, for some use, I think. <laughs> I, I'm sure somebody could come up with a good Bigfoot movie. I mean, I guess you could call... Um, they had Congo in the 90s, which wasn't particularly like Sasquatch, but it was like ape-like creatures, but less, not really apes. They called them gorillas, but the way they portrayed them weren't really like gorillas. They were more like uh, like a half step between gorillas and um, and um, and Sasquatch. So another missing link in the missing link. <laughs> and uh, you know, I think I think another um, another pretty cool uh, Bigfoot tale is actually just Bigfoot himself. A lot of people don't realize that there's actually a Bigfoot tail you know there's there's not just not just uh the boggy creek monster the mon the the minerva monster so you know bigfoot's definitely one of them and i'm not talking about the monster truck you folks like bigfoot the monster <laughs> truck? That's fine. I, I always like grave digger hey yeah, uh, monster truck hey right right um i'm trying to figure out all the because you know there's been a lot of bipedal eight sightings hmm. yeah Throughout history, so it's kind of weird. Like, you know, we keep we keep hearing about him, keep hearing about him, and people will still say, "Well, I don't think that's real." Okay, I get that you might not believe that, but there's so many, there's so many like um, different tales, but of the same basic creature. So you know, I, I don't know, I don't know. I, I just I I, I kind of can lend some credence to it uh, because I there think- is so many. I think too that the the Sasquatch thing is something that'd be more closer to the truth than some of the other cryptids that we know about. Mostly because 
um, humanity and and the the gorilla and ape and and monkey kingdom are very close genetically. So it wouldn't take a whole lot to say that there was some kind of creature that was similar to both out there. Whether it was a true missing link or not, I don't know. I'd still need a lot of proof. But um, yep. but the fact remains that it wouldn't be too far out of the realm of possibility compared to some of the other things. Right. <clears throat> right. And, you know, I, I think that Bigfoot, out of all the, um, out of all the, the, the tales that we see time in and time out, I think Bigfoot has stood the test of time uh, more so than, than maybe be cryptid. I mean, you don't hear a lot of uh, people say, well, you know, I saw the Flatwoods Green Monster in Flatwoods, but then I saw it again, you know, in New Zealand, or I saw it again in uh, England. You know, they, they don't say that about him. They don't say that about Mothman, even though Mothman, they said, was sighted in Chicago recently. We mm-hmm. talked about that on the Mothman episode, so mm-hmm. give that one a word over your speakers. But Bigfoot seems to be the only cryptid that is mentioned, and and, and I mean by Bigfoot, I'm, I'm doing like the, the all-encompassing cryptid world of Bigfoot-esque bipedal ape-like creatures. Um, that seems to be the one that is scattered throughout the world. Is that the you know, like the, the Yeti or Bigfoot, Beast of Bray Road, that sort of thing? Even though that's more of like a Wolfman, but yeah, it, you don't hear about. Uh, Flatwoods Green Monster in, in, in Southern California. You just you don't hear about it. Bigfoot, you seem to hear about one here in Southern California, one in Nepal, one in Brazil, one in Russia. So there has to be some bit of truth behind these these creatures. There has to be. And there's a whole kind of uh, there's a whole kind of society built around um, looking for Bigfoot. There was a show. I don't remember if it was called. I think it was looking for Sasquatch, or if it was like Bigfoot hunters, or or something like that. There was like finding Bigfoot was probably it, where it had a group that would go to different towns where there had been sightings, and they had a variety of people in the group. There were people who were super super skeptical, who didn't believe that the thing existed, but they were all along for the ride because they needed to know. Um, and there were people who were true believers who just felt that they knew everything there was to know about a Bigfoot, despite never having met one, and and they knew that they were going to find one someday, and everybody in between. And it was really popular for a while, really interesting. So we went through a period several years ago with um, with uh, with Bigfoot fever, kind of. And it's one of those things that crops up every so often. You, you'll you see it in the news. Somebody found a footprint made of plaster cast, and then you get a lot of people telling it's a hoax and this and that and all kinds of things. It's probably the most popular hoaxed monster in the world, next to the Loch Ness Monster. I think that probably takes one of the one of the big spots, too. It's probably pretty even. But um, Bigfoot and Sasquatch is probably the most hoaxed because it's probably the easiest to do. Honestly, you take a you you take a regular footprint and you doctor it up a little bit, make it bigger than it is, and you've got a book a Bigfoot footprint. It's just it's it's everywhere, man. Like the 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 cryptid is a really big scene. I don't remember a lot of these. Um, a lot of these, these Bigfoot tales growing up. Do you remember a lot of these? I remember Bigfoot, and I remember, like, it was all the rage in the 80s. Everybody was like, oh, man, I saw Bigfoot sleeping outside my cousin's tent. He was literally sleeping in the tent. I saw his hairy feet, but it was really his cousin. It wasn't, it wasn't a Bigfoot. <laughs> um, I don't remember them being that serious. Do you remember the Bigfoot thing being really big? For um, a few years, like, it was like there were four or five shows all on the different things, like Discovery Channel, Travel Channel, all this kind of stuff. 
and it, it was they were regularly serious, but they didn't last very long. I mean, people really interested, and then it was kind of the same thing. They'd go to a spot, they'd hype it up, find no Bigfoot. And a now, show like that, you kind of have to have a payoff. You have to find Bigfoot. Right, right. Even if you have to get some dude to dress up, at that point, just get some dude to dress up. <laughs> <laughs> that looks like Chaz from the from the previous uh, previous take. What's going on here? That's not Chaz, um, that's St. Germain. Aw, St. Germain. So... But do you remember hearing about the Beast of Bray Road or, or, or the ball? I, I don't remember hearing about the Bally Creek Monster or the Beast of Bray Road when I was young. I just don't. Not so much. Not really. I remember Bigfoot uh, and aliens. Because uh, I remember they did that alien autopsy. I don't know if you ever saw that mm-hmm. uh, spider. Man, Shaky camera, uh, made up and you're, plastic. You're like, that, that alien is straight <laughs> fake. <laughs> And they're like, we're going to operate. Just like the time Gerardo Rivera supposedly found Al Capone's vault. And it was empty. <laughs> they hyped up the alien autopsy for weeks, too. Like it was weeks, Sunday on whatever the Fox, day was. Dude, I remember it was on Fox because I watched it. I was, I was one of them people that was like, y'all find an alien for real? And then I, my hopes got dashed against the rocks like so many sailors without a lighthouse. All right, back on topic. So, <laughs> so, where do you what, what what is your what is your what is your theory about what Bigfoots and the like exist? Um, I, I like I said, I I tend to think well while I'm taking everything with a grain of salt, I I think it's something that that is more likely to exist than a lot of the other things, and um. I think it's something that we could coexist with. I th- I think it's a uh, whatever the wild creature might be. I think it's something that we could easily coexist with. We could find a spot in the world for it to just kind of take up its habitat. And <clears throat> people have had more violent encounters with it, mostly because they've been encroaching on on wilder areas, wilder territory. If you're pushing farmland into areas that previously wasn't that was more wild. If you're doing pushing big campgrounds and and things into areas where where typically nothing had been before, that's where you get more of these kind of sightings and things. So, it's one of those things where if it's out there and if it does exist, I say leave it alone. I say if you have an encounter with one, record it, tell us about it. We'd love to hear about it. But other than that, leave it alone. Right. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. And in one of the other movies that um, Seth Breedlove movies, The Invasion on Chestnut Ridge. It talks about uh, uh, another Bigfoot-esque type creature, these, these bipedal giant creatures that come out of a space a spaceship. And, and, you know, to me, I have to wonder if these Bigfoot creatures aren't something from the old world. You know, and when I say old world, people are like, well, what do you mean old world? I mean before industrialization. So we're talking, I don't know, I would even go a little bit like before Middle Ages, maybe before the... Man, man spread into, into Western Europe. Um, I think these creatures are a holdover, or, 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 or of that nature. Sorry, I'm, like I said, folks, I'm, I'm exhausted. It's been a, it's been a day. Well, it's kind um, of the true nature of a cryptid. It's something that um, <clears throat> right. that we can't really identify, but that wasn't necessarily something that didn't exist before. And I think it's a lot of these cryptids. Now you have your 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 outliers like your Mothman and your. Flatwood Screen Monster. I think those are the. 
extraterrestrials, so to speak, of, of the cryptid world. But I think your Bigfoots, your uh, Boggy Creek Monsters, your, your Bray Road Beast even, could be definitely something from a time before man. And, and you know, our, our planet, our uncanny Earth, dun, 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 name check, is rife with mountains and caves and cave systems. And we haven't mapped all those cave systems. We haven't mapped the seaboard or the uh, seafloor and, and, and all that. We haven't any of that 100%. So we can't 100% without a doubt say that these creatures aren't legit real. Um, and I think that's where a lot of them go. And people say, well, you know, they never find the bodies and this, that, and the third. Well, I think they collect the dead. That would be the only thing that would, that would make sense at that point. Is they, somehow they have a, a, a team that they either collect the dead or they just die in places we can't get to. Now, an interesting theory, too, and, and this is something that I don't know how many other people have, but it's something that I thought about. Um, we, we have a lot of knowledge of early humanoid, like like Neanderthal, Cro-Magnon, all those other kind of things. Mm-hmm. It, it's entirely possible, because I, the, there's a big thing in the news right now of a primitive tribe that's off the coast of India that uh, they just they, they killed the missionary, but we don't want to go in there and get the body because we're trying to disturb their culture because it's one of the last undisturbed pre-civilized human cultures in the world and it get it gets me thinking what if there's other things like that that we haven't discovered yet that are from other pre-humanoid species that somehow survived the environmental conditions in small enough groups like they they breed enough that they can sustain a small population but they're they're small enough that they can't they escape notice and they've been living here hundreds of thousands of years Right, and who's to say that's not who these Bigfoot type creatures are? I mean, it could be actually like a Neanderthal type creature or or something like that, and we just can't recognize it because it's adapted to its environments and uh, become more more animalistic. But it would explain things why they collect the dead, and uh, and why they resemble stuff. But that's just mm-hmm. a, it's kind of a pet theory of mine. Well, I've also heard that Bigfoot isn't actually a cryptid; he's an interdimensional being. Mm. Um, I don't know if that would count still as a cryptid, though, but I've heard that it's it's an interdimensional being. I've heard that it's something evil from another dimension. I've heard so many theories when, when really I think it just boils down to they're just from the old world, and, and, and maybe their population lives underground. Maybe they live in I, – I, would, I could bet that they would live in cave systems more so than they would uh, pieces of, of uh, flatlands. You know, I think the Beast of Bray Road is one of the exceptions you have of this, because Wisconsin is a pretty flat state, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that could be the but even then there still could be mine systems and everything else because that was you know that that was that was prevalent back in the days. So I think what we're seeing is a resurgence of this because technology is better. So I think people are because they're. Because technology is so good now, they're skeptical that, oh, hey, you know, technology is real good, you still find one. But I also think it brings a new healthy interest into Bigfoot, because here we are talking about it on the show. We're talking about the Bigfoot. We're talking about the, 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 the beasts of Bray Roads. We're talking about the Boggy Creeks. Yeah, and um, it's just interesting. A lot of this stuff, um, a lot of this stuff intertwines. And you have to wonder mm-hmm. if the Beast of Bray Road, people uh, people 
described it as like a werewolf creature, but maybe it's also closer to like a maybe the Bigfoot creatures and the werewolf creatures, whatever they are. Maybe they're they're all kind of offshoots of a similar species. If they all have humanoid tendencies again, and maybe they're all descended from from ancient hominids from pre civilization. Um, there's so many directions you can go, and and we're tempted to just go into this huge thought experiment where it just goes into all these wild directions, like they used the <laughs> Neanderthal slave labor to create the pyramids, and then the alien overlords came and they gave me all this tinfoil, and I didn't know what to do with it, so I made an outfit. And um, I used mine for a baked potato on the grill, and it was delicious. It kept my potato from being mind control with the heart. <laughs> And the, the, the MK Ultra Because potatoes have eyes and they can see everything. You don't want them to see some that's things. That's why I don't eat them because I don't want the government knowing how I cook my steak. <laughs> right. so watch out, government. I don't want you worried about cooking my steak. I like it uh, medium well, actually. Now, um, we got about 15 minutes left. And, uh, and I think we've probably hit this topic as hard as we can hit it but I got something else that I just briefly want to touch on that um, that isn't necessarily paranormal but is of really big interest to me and I just am really excited about it anybody out there watch the the, the Mars Lander? Anybody else watch that? Uh, what a beautiful thing that was. Oh I sat there I watched it I watched them live in the room like as they celebrated and everything good stuff I this is exciting for me this is like the moon landings yes. for yes. for the earlier generations it's it's we're putting stuff on another planet we're we're seeing things we've never seen before. I oh man, I want to go. <laughs> I, I'm going with you. So take me with you if you go. If the, now see that would be the ultimate. This and Kenny Earth. This and Kenny Earth from live space. from Mars. Space. Live from Utopia Planitia. They'd be like, get off Mars. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are fired from the expedition. You guys are fired. You drank our entire year's supply of alcohol before we even got off the ship. You used our grill that we were going to use to cook stuff with, and you cooked stuff on it and made it a mess. <laughs> you and your buddy Count St. Germain, all he does is talk about how he's a mortal. We won't have it here on our Mars ship. So watch out for us to get on the, uh, get on get get into Mars. This uncanny earth. Mars edition. That's right. That'll be this uncanny Earth DLC. <laughs> got it by the season pass, though. <laughs> That's right. We'll give you a nylon bag. <laughs> so yeah, I'm super excited about the Mars stuff, and and I would love, I would love to see more about that, and I'd love to, I would love it if they found something. I mean, who yes. knows if they will, but um, I would love it if they just if they found something of any kind of civilization, even if it was just like a like a, a useless brick of, of, of metal or something and they never found anything technologically advanced, just mm-hmm. anything to say that there was something there, I would like to see it because that would just be like, that would be the definitive proof for me that, that things are out there in the universe. Just having it on one other planet that isn't ours, that's the smoking gun. Even if it ends up being nothing, yes. if it ends up just being a carved rock, that counts yes. for me. Man, that would be awesome! Like it, the day that happens, I, I we might actually if that does happen, if they would actually find that, I think what we would do is make a special announcement and have a show that night, <clears throat> mm-hmm. because I think that would be something that would garner us to have to do a like a breaking news, uh, alcohol found on Mars, Team Jobs or, or 
that's up there now drinking it. Somebody stop those guys. You know, we're going to bring it to you live. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, folks. I went on kind of a tangent there about it because I, I'm, I'm like Spider. I'm really excited about this. I think we need to go to another planet. I think we need to start um, working on, on uh, pushing out to the stars because I think our planet's becoming crowded with too many people. I think mm-hmm. pushing out and exploring the galaxy. I mean, I, I've always thought it was awesome when I was a kid. But now that I'm older and it's actually happening, it's pretty cool. I don't know if me and Spider will see it in our lifetime, but it would be definitely be really cool to see somebody living on Mars. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Elon Musk wants to live on Mars. He said that. Yeah, so, it'd be pretty interesting. I think what's going to happen with him is he's going to go there pretty much by himself with a few people, get stuck right. there, and then that'll probably be the last that we hear from Mr. Musk, unfortunately. I don't want to say that in a pessimistic way. I just think realistically it's just... There's no sustainable way to live there as of yet. If he can get there and figure out a way and make it work in the span of time that he has left with his life, which he's not an old guy, he's a relatively young no. guy, then by all means, I would love for that to succeed. But as a realist, I have to. I I I don't think it's it would happen that way. I think he'd go there, he'd have a hard life, and then that would be it. Mm-hmm. But it would still be something that I've never been able to do so far. It'd be a step on another planet. It'd be somebody who could say. Right. Well, after a while, they couldn't say it. But still, it's it would be part of who he was as a person, that he lived on Mars. Didn't just go there. Yeah. Didn't just hang out there. He lived there. Um, Now, that, and Mars is pretty much a one-way ticket because we haven't figured out how to get there fast enough um, in order for it to not be a one-way ticket. <laughs> so if you're going to Mars, you're, you're, you're done here on Earth. How long does it take to get to Mars? Do they have Do they have a way you can actually get there, living, or have they not figured out how to get there? How to get people there, in terms of travel and living? And uh, there's a lot of theories too. I mean, Spider. a lot of people have ideas and things. And um, Spider, I was, I was asking you that question. I, I thought I was answering it. Ask me again, because maybe I, I heard it wrong. Oh, no, I'm just asking if there's actually, like, a sustainable way to actually take the flight. Not so much live there, but, like, be able to take the flight from Earth to Mars. Can we actually do that with people on a ship, or is that not possible? As of right now, it's still theoretical. They don't have, uh, they haven't come up with an actual plan yet. They're talking about this light sail thing for long-distance travel, which is something that they've started funding. The Planetary Society with Bill Nye and and Robin Picardo and, and those kind of folks they, they've got a lot of funding for it. It's an independent thing. It, they kind of do like a Kickstarter kind of thing, but, but a little bit different, crowdfunded. Um, the Light Sail Project is interesting. And on that same topic, just to kind of round out the show a little bit with that, the, uh, the object, the on a whatever thing object that came through the solar system a while ago that they eventually called a comet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've revisited that. And there, there are a lot of independent people who are not entirely certain that it is a comet because they've looked at it and they've examined some things. And they think it is potentially, no evidence of course because they can't see it close enough and it's out of the solar system already. They think it may have been, it's, it may have been another society's light sail. Really? Because of how deliberate the path was. It, it passed huh. through a very deliberate way, very not particularly natural. And... Um, and so there is a possibility that uh, that it may have been more than we thought they were. But and we don't know. And it's funny that they're revisiting that after they shut down those uh, those um, 
planetariums mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. a while, you know, because they said that that a that a uh, that ships were passing by, but maybe it was just light sail going over, and they were like, well, let's shut this down so they can't get too much too close a look at it. Then as soon as it gets further on out, we can always uh, turn everything back on. So, I mean, it's hard to say. I, I'm super interested. Once I read that, because I thought it was all well and done. I thought they just dismissed it, and it was it was over, and nobody was going to care about it anymore, and we weren't going to hear anything. But independent astronomers, which are, when you say that, people think like, oh, just some dude with a telescope, who cares? <laughs> but people like NASA actually mm-hmm. pay a lot of attention to independent astronomers because they catch things that we don't sometimes with our, our big tech because they're looking in directions that we're not. And so and there's then been the a black show up at your house. <laughs> That's true. Listen, listen to that episode. <laughs> we're doing. I'm just shamelessly plugging the other episodes while we're doing this episode. That's right. Episode of Inception. Not <laughs> <Mount> Saint Germain. <laughs> so yeah, um, that's something I think uh, I'm going to be following pretty closely. I'm really interested in it, and. Um, and that's pretty much all I got. I mean, we got ten minutes left of the show, but I think we're, uh, I think we're tapped out, honestly. <laughs> um, okay, let, let's ask. Let's ask. This, this will be a final question for both of us, and I'll answer, but I'll ask Fire at first because he always likes to ask me the questions first. So I'm going to flip the script. I love to on be him. first. What would you do if they said if they announced tomorrow that they found extraterrestrial life? Not some bacteria in a gene pool somewhere in the bottom of Lake Saturn or, you know, whatever. I'm talking if they full-on said, hey, we found history, we found textbooks, but we can't, you know, decipher the writing. This is, what would you do if tomorrow morning you woke up and they were like, it's all been real. The, the, the aliens are real, extraterrestrials are real. What would you do? What, was the, what would be the first thing you would do? I would be beyond pleased, and I would start... Uh planning on a multiple things i would i would first off make sure that there was a way possibly i regardless of what kind of technology they might have i would try to make sure that um that i had some kind of uh defense set up in case things start going door to door and start trying to zap me for my brain waves and um nobody's uh, gonna zap you for your brain waves (laughs) but um (laughs) yeah i'd want to make sure first off because that's a that's a, a People are going to think, oh, so you're going to be hostile right off the bat. Well, no, I'm not going to make anything aggressive towards anybody. It's just you got to be prepared. You never know how, how a different species is going to react. We have plenty of natural species here on the planet that would chew you up as soon as let you touch them, you know? So it, hippos. Hippos are one of the most dangerous creatures on Earth. Honey badgers. Honey badgers. I mean, come on. So it it's not out of the, out of the question that I would try to think of, of – defense and survival first before anything else but um after that i would troll pretty much every possible news aggregate that i could come up with to find out who was watching who was paying attention get all the data i could and follow along as best i could i'm not going to join up with some kind of Haley's comet bizarre alien cult and i'm also (laughs) not going to be like well i for one i'm here to greet our alien overlords and i pledge my service forever no i'm not really going to do that (laughs) but if they're here to kind of like be chill out and be like hey you guys are really weird but uh we're gonna hang out with you anyway bring you some technology i'd be down for that i would be totally down for that awesome awesome i think what i would do is first off, I would get up and be like, 
okay, so th this thing, this thing is is really real. Like this is this is actually like really happening. And then I would call my pops and be like, Did you see the blah 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 because you know my, my my pops is really what got me into kind of aliens in science fiction when I was a kid. So I would have a, a nice conversation with him about it. And then I would probably call Spider here and be like, bro, aliens. I don't call Spider on the phone. We'd probably spend like 20 minutes just being like, bro, aliens, bro, aliens, they found him, bro, 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 <laughs> aliens, bro, get, bro. Get, some, get some get some drink, let's go, bro. Yeah, I mean, and that, that's what I do. Um, and then, uh, like Spider said, I'm going to start prepping because I think if they would do that and just like throw it out there and disclose it immediately, the world's going to go into a worldwide panic. There's no... Because you're, what's going to happen is is the, the a lot of people's faith is going to be shaken up. Mine, not so much. Not at all, actually. I would be like, okay, cool. Because though I have certain beliefs, I also believe that uh, other beings were created, just not us. You know? So my beliefs wouldn't be shaken. But you would definitely have a lot of people out there who would be like, I thought we were the only ones here, and this really rewrites a lot of things. So you're going to have a lot of crazies. You're going to have a lot of doomsday cult type figures um, out there. So that's not going to help matters any that are like, oh, okay, here's the big one. It's finally happened. Aliens are invading. A lot of conspiracy kookier kind of folks are going to come out of the woodwork. going to be a lot of violence. going to be a lot of robberies. It's, it's, it's going to turn a little bad, I think, for a while. Maybe some martial law. So I would definitely prepare for that make sure I'm stuck up on water and food and, and so on and so forth. And then after that, I think I would I would then – look at every single site I possibly could to see what's real and what's fake. If the aliens are building a wall around the earth and the earth has to pay for it. Other than that, I would probably see what they, what they know. Like, okay. So are we dealing with aliens that are still alive? Are they dead? What took them out? Where did we find the, the artifacts? What was there with it? What type of what time of day was it? Where was it at? Where was the planet at when you did it? You know, uh, I don't want it to turn into a pitch black thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that's just that's just one of the the or multiple things I would do. But I think the like I said, the first thing I would do, yeah, everybody would be like, oh my god, oh, the aliens! I'd be like, oh, this is really awesome, but not in a uh, welcome to Earth. Our alien overlords, like Spider said, not one, not not like, hey, aliens, uh, free probe. No, it's <laughs> not gonna happen. Um, but just just to just to be like, you know, I, I think it would aid the other mysteries of our planet because, okay, if aliens are real, well, who's to say the Bigfoot's not real? And and then I think that would would cause a lot of a lot of skeptics to be like, uh, well, uh, I should have probably believed them. <laughs> But I think it would also have a, a, a create a new study, a new science. The things that it would would be positive do would outweigh the negative. I'd be ecstatic. I would really be happy. Yeah. So, um, and and I look forward to that day when we can kind of compare notes and see how that all goes. Um, and. All that being said, uh, it's been a pretty diverse episode. We we covered a lot of ground. We had um, we had cult talk first hour we had the uh, welcome to cult talk where we'll be talking to the uh, guys, leader of the uh, next great cult episode of cult talk <laughs> <laughs> we talked about Today, that Spider, he's the uh he's the very he's the leader of the uh the uh the 
temple of love. And, uh, well, the temple of love. Dun, 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 dun. I don't know what that was. <laughs> I'm not going. <laughs> I got I got prior gauge. I'm heading I'm right sorry, out this ahead. door, and I think that's what we're going to do. Um, Colts, the the folk monster, Bobby, Boggy Creek. Bobby Creek. I keep wanting to talk about Bobby, Bobby. Creek. Have if you are out there, Creek? Mr. Bobby Creek, and you know what we're talking about, or even if you just wonder why we got your name, <laughs> come talk to us. I don't know who you are, but I kind of want to now. Um, yeah, well, I want to be Bobby Creek. <laughs> Boggy Creek monster. And, uh, and off Creek. into some like, alien tangents. Bob, <laughs> Bob Creek. And some video games, and we talked about Far Cry 5, and we talked about Opus Day and it's just been a whirlwind of, of, of topics today. So what do we That's got right. for him next week? Why don't, why don't you why don't you pick something for next week? Since I be picking and nobody seems to want to pick stuff yet, so why don't you pick something for next week? Oh, let's see. What do we got? We got all kinds of ground to cover. Um, we covered a lot of the big stuff. We got the ghosts. We got. Um, let's talk about. Let's talk about the music. Oh, shameless plugs. Let's talk about uh, entities. Let's talk about uh, things from interdimensional contact, that kind of stuff. We can go into demons, angels, spirits, the jinn, the 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 afreet, the everything. Let's talk about all that. Goblins, ghosts. Well, we talked about ghosts already, but maybe touching them. Goblins, <laughs> uh, fairy creatures, all that good stuff. Let's let's talk about all that. Nice. I am. Entities. I am looking forward to that. Yes. Entities. Entities. Next week, this uncanny earth, folks. It's been a pleasure. We've had fun. We've had some laughs. We've had some tears. We've had some grills. We've had some alcohol. <laughs> Next week is going to be entities. Stay uncanny. Next week, entities. We're going to be having the same fun that we're having tonight. Hopefully, I'll be less tired. I apologize if I sound tired. It's been a tiresome day, but uh, I, I really look forward to talking about entities with you guys next week. So, uh, until then, peace. And as always, don't be normal when you can be uncanny. Good night.